This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. The Bigger Picture on BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon and welcome to Front Row under the MCO. I'm Sharmila Ganesan together with Lim Su An. As always, we're here to um, give you our recommendations of the arts, culture and entertainment that you can consume online uh, while staying hopefully safely at home. If you want to share with us the things that you've been watching, the things that have been keeping you entertained, you can tweet us at BFM Radio or WhatsApp us at 018-789-8899. So for our first recommendation of the day, we will be taking you on a trip down memory lane with Sepet the Musical. Now, many of you might be familiar with the movie, one of Yasmin Ahmad's best-known works. The musical adaptation of the movie was staged by Liver and Lung Productions last year and is now available to watch on their YouTube channel until May the 9th. Mm. So the plot for the musical um, stays quite true to the original movie, which is set in Ipoh in the mid-2000s um, because the, the movie was released back in 2005, so it's been 15 years since mm-hmm. then. Wow, okay, you just made <laughs> feel very old. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it follows the story of Jason and Orchid. Jason is a 19-year-old um, boy running a stall selling unlicensed VCDs. Mm-hmm. Um, Back when people used to so, buy VCDs. Yes, I don't even know where you would find VCDs <laughs> nowadays. Yeah. Um, while the free-spirited Orchid is one is, is a girl who loves watching films starring John Woo and Takeshi Kaneshiro. I mean, she goes on and on about mm-hmm. him. And then, you know, when um, romance sparks between them, when Orchid stops by Jason's stall to look for films starring Takeshi Kaneshiro and with that first meeting you know romance blooms between the two teenagers but of course nothing is smooth sailing for the two as they face um, societal and racial pressures against them due to the nature uh, due, due to their relationship and so the movie also sort of blurs the stereotypes and highlights different parts of injustice and discrimination that happens in society and it also challenges the viewer to then think of the way to think if the way um, how things have always been done or how we've always thought about particular things, you know, whether that should still be the way it is now. Right. And um, I mean, it's it's exactly for those reasons, I think, that the movie touched, um, you know, it struck such a chord with so many people back when it was released. It won several awards back in 2005. It won the Best Asian Film at the 18th Tokyo International Film Festival. Uh, It won the 27th Curtail International Women's Film Festival in France. Um, And then at our very own Malaysian Film Festival, the 18th edition, the movie also bagged several awards including Best Film, Best Original Screenplay as well as Most Promising Actress and Actor for the leads Sharifah Hamani Yahya and Ng Chu Siong. Hmm. So I, I must admit I've never watched the movie or not that I can remember but you have Sharmila. Yes, you? so I, I, I remember watching it when it first came out. It was a big deal hmm. because um, uh, this was in the mid-2000s and uh, I think both for the fact that um, it wasn't often that everyone talked about a Malaysian film in that tone. So generally films would be... Um, confined to the language groups, you know? So you'd find like Malay films and often you'd find Malay people Mm. talking about... Whereas um, a Chinese film would be pretty much for that community. This kind of crossed those borders. Mm. And then the fact that it was about young love mm. um, in such a relatable setting. Um, the characters were very, very relatable for people of my age, I think, you know, around that time when I was in my, uh, gosh, I think early 20s. <laughs> um, so it, it um, and I remember some scenes so vividly. It's been a while since I watched the movie, mm. but um, the plastic bag over the head, um, the first time she 
she meets Jason uh, in the in the you know when she's trying to buy a VCD. Um, yeah, and just the chemistry between the both of them. I I really liked Seppet a lot when I watched it. I still have such pleasant memories of um, talking about it with my friends. And mm. I, I think there's just something about Malaysian movies that sort of cross that line. You know, when you mix all the languages that we speak here in Malaysia, it, it, there's something very much relatable to the average Malaysian movies like this, and probably why a lot of people do still love watching movies like that. Yeah, I I mean I do regret that I didn't manage to catch the musical. Um, it was a relatively uh, short run, and I think I wasn't around for some of it, so I didn't manage to. But I did have the opportunity to uh, speak to the director of the musical, Shafiq Shah Jahan, for Front Row, um, Front Row, not at the TMCO. <laughs> uh, and uh, here's a clip from that interview where Shafiq shared about um, his experience adapting Sepet from a movie into a musical. So obviously, you know, I think one of the major differences between the musical and the film is that if you look at the film, there are very iconic supporting characters, you know, mm-hmm. Harith Iskandar, Ida Marina. Um, but we decided as a starting point, I, think, I thought I was really interested, we were really interested in um, maintaining the love story between the two characters. So we kind of just focus on that. And we use the fourth wall and um, relationships and exchanges with the audience to kind of plug that hole for the supporting character. So that's the one immediate difference that you'll see. So there are no supporting characters no, as it's such? Just, so it's, it's a two-man it's it's two two play? Yeah. All right. Which I think has been a challenge to my actors. So like Shafiq said, the musical really um, pairs down the movie, you know, mm-hmm. it only features the two main characters, Jason and Orchid, who are played by Joshua Gui and Badrika Bahadur, respectively. Uh, the show also features 12 original songs, which were composed by Shafiq and uh, Badrish Bahadur. And the crew behind the show also involved Hannah Shields as choreographer and Wai Leong as the musical director. So the musical was staged back then at uh, GMBB. And the idea for it actually came about when GMBB wanted to do something to co commemorate the 10th anniversary of Yasmin Ahmad's death. Um, and the musical was then produced with the consent of Yasmin Ahmad's uh, family and friends. Mm. So I, I over the long weekend um, of staying at home, yeah. <laughs> I watched the musical um, on their YouTube channel and it's, it's, it's really a relatively simple setup. You have the stage sort of in the middle of the room, sandwiched by the audience on both sides. It's quite an intimate um, set. And with the absence of the other characters, it's really up to both Jason and Orchid to mm. narrate their own stories, to move the plot forward, to sort of pretend to have interactions with the other characters. And there are scenes like that where they're sort of referring to these side characters, but you don't have them talking back. But then there's something about it that works quite well. And, you know, they and, and there's that continuous breaking the fourth wall during the show. And, it's, and really, I think that works well also partly because of that intimate nature of the set, right? Mm. Because you're so close to your audience, you're not sort of distant, um, you're not sort of you're not distant and then it's made to feel as if the audience is part of the story and then um, I don't know there's something about the set as well that made me feel very nostalgic Um, it's that Ipoh in mid 2000s setting you have in one corner you have Jason's VCD stalls um, and then you have in another corner a mini kopitiam table and then you also have Orchid's wall of posters with uh, all her her Takeshi uh, Kaneshiro posters Um, so to give you a taster of the musical here's a scene from it Um, like the iconic scene like you said Charmla where Orkin meets Jason for the first time at his VCD store Oh, nak beli video? Uh, no nak beli cassette Sorry? Saya size 5 kawan saya size 6 I only sell videos I know I was joking <laughs> <laughs> Oh Oh <laughs> Boss 
And there you heard a bit of Sayangku, which is one of the songs um, in the musical and it's sort of repeated throughout. And, and, and there's something about the music uh, that's composed, the original songs that were composed for this musical that I find is sort of very pleasant and I find myself humming it after a while as well. It reminds me a lot of songs that were popular at that point in time. Mm. It's very um, it's very mid-2000, um, slightly poppy, but also um, very unironic <laughs> if that makes sense it, I mean this is when it was okay to kind of bop along to boy bands and you know we weren't as cynical as we are now <laughs> um, but that's just me being nostalgic the whole clip made me extremely nostalgic um, but I am curious though you mentioned how um, you mentioned the experience that that from because I haven't watched the musical mm. um, but you did say that there's some sort of intimate setting and all that how does that translate when we're watching it from home um, on screen do we mm. get that same feeling you you do get that feeling sort of because the camera is sort of set from within the audience but um they also make it clear up front that this um that the filming of this was actually done for archival purposes so so they didn't actually film it with the intention of releasing it mm. as sort of a theatrical uh, as as a production to watch right uh, on on your screen so it's not always the best quality because it is um, like they said, it's not meant for you to view, but they've decided. So, but you know, during the MCO, people are stuck at home. You you have nothing to do, so they wanted to re- they wanted to release this so that more people could actually um, watch this. So it, I guess, it's just understanding right from the start that you are not watching something that's filmed with the intention to air. So, right, not like the stuff that, say, the National... We've been talking about it, right? The yeah. National Theatre or whatever. Because those are actually filmed v- with very sophisticated equipment and, mm. and sort of with the intention that they will be aired. Yep. Yeah. But I think there's something about the way that this was filmed that sort of adds to that nostalgia as well. It's that feeling of watching old films where mm-hmm. it's, it's sometimes the quality is not always the best, but, you know, you still get the essence of the story. The music's great. The acting, I, th- I thought, was really wonderful. Mm. I 
know that everyone uh, I know who caught the musical really loved it. Mm. And and I think it just was a, a pretty great package because I know that they had, for instance, like themed dress up. Mm. Uh, so they encouraged people to come in uh, dressed in their best Orchid and Jason style, <laughs> um, all of which we can do from home. That is true. You <laughs> can put on your best Jason or Orchid yes. themed dress. Plastic and bag it. on head is optional, but I don't <laughs> see why you wouldn't want to. Um, yeah, it, and it's just a really fun thing for you to watch in the evenings when you just want to, you know, sit back, uh, just sit back and enjoy something, take a trip down memory lane. Yeah. I'm quite glad they're doing this because I was really sad that I missed the staging. Mm. Um, so if you're like me and you're interested to, um, you know, catch up on the work that Liver and Lung Productions do, you can follow them on Instagram uh, at liver underscore and underscore lung, or you can subscribe to their YouTube channel. And uh, Sepet the Musical, of course, is available in full on their YouTube channel until the 9th of May. Uh, so that's it for our first recommendation of the day. We do need to take a quick break, but we'll be back shortly. But first, here's a song from Sepet the Musical, Jason's Letter, sung by Joshua Gui and Badrika Bahadur. With a past he can't erase With a heart that's out of place For a girl he has embraced I'm a man with a past he can't erase With a heart that's out of place For a girl he has Business station. Welcome back to Front Row Under the MCO. I'm Sharmila Ganesan, together with Lim Su An. So before the break, our first recommendation of the day was that you check out the online streaming of Sepet the Musical by Liver and Lung Productions. And now um, on to uh, something a little bit more international. We might be used to seeing Shakespeare's works being presented as plays, but today we're looking at a rather different version of his work, um, a ballet adaptation of The Winter's Tale, which was first presented at the Royal Opera House in London in 2014. Hmm. So the ballet is um, currently being streamed for free as part of the Royal Opera House's um, Our House to Your House series and it's available on both their website and also their YouTube channel until the 2nd of June so plenty of time to check it mm-hmm. out. Um, this production is a ballet in three acts that was choreographed by Christopher Wielden with scenery and costume design by Bob Crowley and music scored by Joby Talbot and if you're a follower of ballet you might recognise the trio from their previous collaboration the critically acclaimed and hugely popular Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. Yes, so it might seem like a bit of a leap um, or a bit of an odd leap from Alice to <laughs> Shakespeare, but The Winter's Tale actually offers as much visual delight and space for imagination as Lewis Carroll's classic. You know, the play itself is a really interesting one. It's often called one of Shakespeare's problem plays because it's difficult to classify it either as tragedy, comedy or romance. I mean, in the in the play's original five acts, the first three are these like intense psychological 
psychological drama, mm. you know, and then the last two suddenly become sort of lighthearted comedy. Um, and its story is extremely complicated. It um, has themes of jealousy, friendship, love, loss, forgiveness, among others. A lot to digest. There. A lot to digest, yes. <laughs> um, it's also theorised that Shakespeare chose the title The Winter's Tale to indicate to the audience that the play was like a tale told by a fireside um, on a winter's evening. It's a fictional invention meant to be both entertaining and also morally instructive. Yes. So the ballet does pare down Shakespeare's complex plot, um, you know, and, and, and kind of condenses it to the, the central story, which is a, quite an intense and mm. emotional one. Um, it's uh, the story of King Leontis, who is um, the king of Sicilia, and he's increasingly um, overpowering jealousy of his best friend, a childhood friend, King Polissenes from Bohemia, because Leontis thinks that his wife who's pregnant um, is uh, the father of the child is actually Polissenes. Mm. And uh, Leontis' action basically tears their uh, their two families apart. Hermione's baby daughter is abandoned um, and uh, she is thought to have died from the distress of uh, all of this happening to her. But uh, what actually happens is that the baby, whose name is Perdita, is rescued by a shepherd and is raised by him and grows up to fall in love with Prince Florizel, who's the son of Polissenes. And uh, the young couple is reunited with the remorseful Leontis uh, when uh, through a series of events they arrive back at Cecilia as a pair of young adult lovers um, and Finally, you know, spoiler alert, but it's a happy spoiler. Uh, Queen Hermione is miraculously returned to life at the end as well. Uh, so it's a it sort of takes you through these whole a huge emotional arcs. Um, mm. And what Christopher Wielden has done is actually really to streamline that plot to focus on the main characters. You know, the driving force of, of this entire production really comes from Leontis's unfounded jealousy against his wife and friend. And uh, this mood then is used to contrast with that joyful love story, uh, which happens in the second part of the ballet between Perdita and Florizel. Mm. So the ballet is essentially split into taking place in two kingdoms. Um, Cecilia and Bohemia and the production is beautifully designed and staged to make each kingdom distinct and eye-catching. So for example, um, you have dreary black costumes in the Sicilian court which contrast the vibrant sets and costumes in the light-filled countryside Bohemia. Mm -hmm. So here's a clip from the uh, of the ballet's choreographer Christopher Wielden and designer Bob Crowley discussing how they brought the story to life. Winter's Tale the challenges became taking a very complex Shakespearean narrative and choreographing very specific emotions and feelings. I had designed the play at the uh, Royal Shakespeare Company, so I kind of knew the structure of it really well. We, we worked hard at figuring out which parts of the story to focus on. From a design perspective, our process is, is very much tied into Joby because we often will take you know, a passage of music that, that Joby's written and, and play it as a sort of, you know, as the spark. Of yeah, the... it's Joby's music, really, that conjures up the images for me. Uh, and because that's, it, it, the music comes first, really. We're kind of focusing on the fantasy of the, the tale of the winter sail as well. And, uh, and colour yeah. is a big thing, yeah. you know, bringing colour. We took it to a kind of, um, I suppose, one of those places where people gather but also it's a place of pilgrimage. That yeah. was a Glastonbury kind of feel or a... Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's, it's somewhere where, where a community gathers yeah. to, to celebrate. I think we all strive to achieve the same goal, which is make something that's beautiful and clear and honest. Um, and we all kind of get on quite well doing it, I think. 
So as we mentioned earlier, the ballet is divided into three acts and each act is, um, you know, distinct in terms of its look, its feel, its sound. Act one is all about tragedy and jealousy and the betrayal mm. that Leontes thinks he's feeling. Uh, well, he's feeling, but, you know, that he thinks he's been betrayed. Act two is more about, um, you know, it's a set a lot in Bohemia. It's that, that, that joyful young love. It's warmth. There's a lot of, uh, you know, peasant uh, inspired music. And then act three is about the reconciliation of all these characters coming to terms um, with the mistakes that they were made in the past, the regret, and also the joy of being reunited. So, um, as you said earlier, it's, it's it's quite a it's quite a journey, mm. and um, I think that each act is is really very distinct in the way it, it plays with these emotions. Mm. And Wilden's uh, choreography really uses these emotions. You know, it's inspired by Shakespeare's poetry as well. And he says, "I've always wanted to make a Shakespeare ballet, and I think the biggest challenge for any choreographer tackling Shakespeare is to find a way to infuse that poetry into the movie." and not just use the plot line. It's those moments of high drama that work very well for dance. It certainly sounds like there's lots of high drama. (laughs) And the music also rises and falls with this dramatic narrative. So here's an excerpt from Act 1 where Queen Hermione is being put on trial for her supposed infidelity. So the composer for The Winter's Tale, jo- Joby Talbot, really possibly had the most important job because mm. not only did um, the choreographer and the design sort of take their inspiration from him, he's also, the music is how you understand the emotions of the ballet, right? Because there's no words. Uh, so as the as the viewer, you get your emotional cues from the music. That's right. And each act in this one required a very different sound. And uh, they, they worked with an onstage band as well. So there's a band mm. live on stage during the ballet. That's really interesting. Yeah. So I've never seen that done before. So I'm quite excited to watch that. Um, and according to according to the production notes, the, the sound that uh, Talbot had in mind for each of these are um, quite distinct. The first act is all, you know, as we mentioned, emotional, taut and troubled. The second is full of joy and colour. And the final act, it's, it's more sort of free form because it's reaching its conclusion. So here's an excerpt of Talbot explaining his process behind the music. The first thing that came to mind was this, was this funny little... Magical but difficult kind of sense, and then out of that came um, this tune, which is the sound of the wind 
through the trees. And then I worked on this prologue for longer than I've ever worked on a single piece of music ever. I rewrote it literally probably about 50 times. <laughs> no exaggeration. Having finished Act One, which was far and away the hardest thing I've ever had to compose, I was able to take a deep breath and think, right, it's going to be easier now, and then realise that at the start of Act Two, I'm starting a completely different piece, basically. I mean, yes, there's, there's thematic relationships, sure, but um, fundamentally, I'm trying to write something completely different. So then I had to start all over again. And you think, well, thank goodness. Now, at least Act Three, oh, that's a completely different beast as well. Starting again. This music is meant to be the folk music that they're, they're playing in the village festival, so it's not meant to sound like it's, you know, some, somebody sat in their studio endlessly, you know, agonizing over exactly what notes they should play, which is, of course, exactly what it is. <laughs> Having lived with it for two years and thought of nothing else, I'm incredibly proud of this music. Act One has this musical language which is quite taught and troubled in Act Two. We really want an absolute change. Just a lot of beautiful, beautiful dancing, beautiful music, beautiful sets, costumes, just a lovely, lovely experience. And then we're back in Sicilia for Act Three. Act Three is very emotional, very lovely. We need to feel that everything's led to this place. Now it's reached some kind of equanimity and the music is sort of freer, just freer to express itself. So one of the highlights of the ballet is that it has six principal roles and mm. that allows the different dancers to show off their talents in a variety of styles. And in contrast as well, there are also several beautiful ensemble scenes which really highlight the Royal Ballet's abilities. Yeah, so I am actually very excited to watch this because initially I wasn't, it wasn't something I was particularly interested mm. to watch. It wasn't one of those classical ballets. But uh, having watched the trailer and various excerpts, I really like the way it looks. I love how both timeless and contemporary both the choreography and the music is. Um, I'm I'm really sold just by the production material, and I think I, I I'm going to make an effort to catch this. Mm, and, and and I think because classical ballet pieces can be quite difficult for sort of some people to watch. It's quite lengthy. You know, they they all at some point kind of look the same. Mm-hmm. So I think I, I I also saw the trailer as well, and this just looks really it looks re- almost fun to watch. And, and and I think with the idea of having a band on stage as well, something different to mm-hmm. complement it. It sounds it just sounds quite exciting. So if you are interested interested to watch uh, the Winter's Tale Ballet. It's currently being streamed for free uh, at the Royal Opera House's website and also the its YouTube channel and that's until the 2nd of June. So if you would like to tell us what you've been watching from home, you can of course tweet us at BFM Radio, you can WhatsApp us at 018-789-8899 or drop us a message on uh, our Facebook which is BFM The Bigger Picture. And if you've missed any part of today's show, our podcasts are available at bfm.my, on the BFM app or on Spotify. And uh, with many of us back at work, here's a quick reminder from us that uh, some precautionary measures need to be taken so that we can all continue to keep safe. First of all, physical distancing. Do remember to keep a distance of one to two metres between you and others. Continue to sanitise your and wash your hands. The 20-second rule, of course, still applies. Don't forget your face masks. Um, do err on the side of caution. Wear them to prevent droplets from spreading and continue maintaining high levels of personal hygiene. It is down to each of us to continue flat the curve by being disciplined and responsible and caring for our fellow Malaysians and ourselves. So stay safe, everyone. And of course, continue to stay tuned. Coming up at 1pm, we have Ali Johan and Othniel Ting with the Midday Music Machine. So that's all from us on Front Row under the MCO today. But we will leave you with this excerpt from The Winter's Tale, BFM 89.9. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.